Awesome. You. Thank you so much, church, and thanks, team. You guys have been amazing. Would you put your hands together for the worship team who have just been doing an amazing job? It is an absolute privilege to be with you this week and, and next week, and um, it's, just been, it's just been really, really great meeting a couple throughout the week. We were here at Next Level on, on Tuesday night, um, which was just, just a whole bunch of good fun, and, um, you know, then run into people at local schools and, uh, and whatnot, so um, it's just been our absolute privilege, and now's the time, you know, we've got a week, we're going to be helping out with the kids camp, but now's the time, if you've seen anything around the church, you're just like, I would love to see that just sorted out, go have a chat to the boss, aka Mez, and um, she'll, um, she'll put it on our task list to be done, that'll be fantastic, and um, we'll get to it for you, but... Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Pastor Ben and Dan, for having us and um, for inviting us to be part um, of what you're doing in the community. Um, you have developed amazing partnerships with the local community. Um, it's inspiring. It's, it's honestly, it's really, really great. And for allowing us to be part of your worship services this weekend, which is awesome. And um, sending us to the dark side on Friday night. Oh, my goodness. Emily is... Emily. Pastor Emily, Emily Greats, Greats, Emily Great, there we go, let's just go with that, um, she's in kids right now, isn't she, I can't even throw a shade, she was like, go set up your, set up your swags, all this kind of stuff, so it's her fault we all unrolled our swags, we had no idea, um, yeah, so they were, like, yeah, I even left my pillow on the top of my swag, you know, so I came to that at, you know, 11 o'clock, I was like, I gotta go stand by the fire for 45 minutes and dry this sucker out, so anyway, um, it was a good night. Um, and uh, good morning. They never, yeah, there was no, there was a great overlap anyway. Um, I, fe- I felt like I slept on three bricks <laughs> for that night. And um, anyway, that's a luxury. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, my name is Blake, and, and it is my absolute privilege to be with you. I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Hannah. And um, two little gorgeous kids. Our three year old, her name is London. And our one-year-old, his name is Archibald, a.k.a. Archie. Um, it's only Archibald when he's in trouble, um, which is often. So, you know, as one-year-old, I'm, I'm, I'm set. But anyway, um, so it's an absolute privilege to be with you. I'm ready for the word this morning. And today I want to talk to you about ants. Great. I'm glad you showed up to church, aren't you? I'm going to learn some facts about ants this morning. But... Um, They're relatively interesting little critters, you know. Um, So here's 10 quick facts about ants. um, You you thought I was joking. I'm serious. I'm talking about ants this morning. Um, And for all those online, please don't tune out. I promise this gets better. All right? Just just hang hang in for a second. Ants actually account for 20 to 25% of all biomass on the planet. 20 to 25% of all biomass, right? That's like animal mass and all that kind of stuff. 20 to 25%. So we think they're like tiny, insignificant, and avoidable um, until you have an infestation in your house or something, right? Then you realize that they're not. But the truth is they literally account for between 20 to 25% of all biomass on the planet. Like there's a lot of them. They're just good at hiding, obviously. The official number is approximately 1 million Billion. Yeah, so that doesn't even make sense to someone like myself. Any mathematicians in the room, you're like, I know exactly how many zeros that is. Well, good for you. I just know it's a lot of zeros, right? One million billion ants on Earth. 
there's this guy called the weaver, um, the Asian weaver ant that can carry a hundred times its own body weight. What a unit, you know? Reminds me of Sam, you know, that all that gentleman that we love so much and is now in the police force lifting there, I'm sure. But anyway, just a unit, right? Um, but yeah, it can lift a hundred times its own body weight. So they're the Samson breed. Um, they literally move tons of soil and sand every single year. Now, my favorite fact is that the biggest ant colony ever recorded is there's Argentine ants in Europe that have taken over a 3,700-mile stretch of coast along the Mediterranean Sea. 3,700-mile stretch. Now, any people from the U.S. of A, you're like, I know exactly how far that is. For the rest of us, we're like, what? 3,700 meters? That doesn't make sense. Um, So here's in kilometers, 5,900 kilometers. This colony of ants, right, literally have set up camp along the um, coast of the Mediterranean seas. Now, to give you some context for what 5,900 kilometers actually looks like, from Darwin all the way to Adelaide is 3,000 kilometers. So it's literally there and back again is how far this ant colony spans along the Mediterranean coast. So I was like, okay, surely Australia is a big place. So I Googled, what's the distance between Perth and Brisbane? right? 4,300 kilometers. So this ant colony is bigger than the entire length of Australia. That's huge. That's pretty monstrous, right? So I was like, all right, all right, all right, let's bump it out. I know what's going to top it. So I googled Perth to Auckland, 5,300 kilometers. This ant colony is so big and has set up a nest so long along the Mediterranean coast, it is longer than from Perth all the way to Auckland and then some monstrous, monstrous. What little units, right? Like, my goodness. That's really, really impressive. They also live for decades. I didn't know that. I thought they just died underfoot. They live for decades, right? (laughs) They come back to life. They're cockroaches. I don't know, whatever. They live for decades. They can live everywhere. We've all kind of experienced that, Um, except for Antarctica because no one and nothing lives there. They can survive an entire day underwater, I mean, you've all seen them ice skating on top. <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah, party time. And you're trying to drown them. And they're just like, what's up, man? How are you doing? <laughs> give, me more, give me more water. And um, anyway, they can actually survive an entire day underwater. I don't know how they breathe. If they have lungs in their brains, I don't know. But anyway, they can entire, survive an entire day underwater. So, great facts, Blake. Thanks for equipping me for the ant section of a trivia night that will never eventuate. <laughs> Right? You have all these pieces of useless information you'll never use. What the heck do they have to do with the Bible, with my walk with God, and with my faith? And um, in the psychological world, ANTS, A-N-T, ANTS is an acronym for automatic negative thoughts. Automatic negative thoughts. Ants in the psychological world are your first thought that you have when, you're, when you step into a situation or you're faced with an opportunity that is something a bit out of the ordinary. It's normally your ants that start speaking to you straight away. It's your automatic negative thoughts that raise its head and that actually discuss it that it's actually more like a reflex than free thinking. 
which I think is incredibly insightful because I don't want to be captive to my thoughts. I want my thoughts to be captive to me. Amen. I want to walk on free thinking. I don't want to be stuck with reflexes determining how I respond and how I engage and the decisions I make in life. But we all have these things called ants, automatic negative thoughts that are guiding and informing our responses and our decisions and our choices in situations and when opportunities arise. They're immediate, they're unconscious, they're persistent, and they're learned. Majority of the time, our ants are learned thought processes from parts in our lives where we experienced trauma, we experienced fear, where we experienced danger. And so now we have developed these ants, these automatic negative thoughts that actually start trying to inform the way we engage with certain situations and opportunities as they arise um, in the future. The point is, although ants may be small and fleeting, they can have a huge impact on your life. Although they're hard to identify, you can look back on your life and you can see the stretch that they have impacted your life for. Although you may have tried to drown them out with positive thinking for a long, long time, they seem to keep surviving. They keep rearing their ugly little heads and dictating how you respond in life. So, let me give you some insight into what these ants can actually sound like. You're given an opportunity to do something at work and you're given it, you're beginning to step into it and you're trying your best and something doesn't go quite right. Just, you know, there's always hiccups, right? There's always hiccups along the way. But you're leading this part, this thing at work and you're giving it a good go and then there's a hiccup along the road and the first thought that comes to your mind is, I'm so dumb. I'm so dumb. That's an ant. It's an automatic negative thought arising in its head to go and try and take you out and stop you from moving forward in that situation. Because guess what? We all have hiccups, right? We all face hiccups, so don't believe that. You could also be given a great opportunity, and then the instant thought is, I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to mess this up. I'm going I'm, I'm to do something wrong. I'm going to fail. That's an ant. It's an automatic negative thought. You maybe find yourself in a social setting like this, and someone perhaps um, just maybe glanced at you but didn't say hi or didn't smile. And the automatic negative thought is, nobody likes me. That's an ant, right? It's not actually the truth. It's just an automatic negative thought that you perhaps have learned over experiences, social experiences in your life. You perhaps walk through some difficult seasons in life. You have some difficult conversations and you walk through some pain. And the thing that keeps creeping up on you when you wake up in the morning is the world is just an awful place. It's your first thought when you wake up in the morning. Just, man, I just don't even want to wake up. This is just an awful place. It's an ant. It's an automatic negative thought. The world is just an awful place. Other ants sound like, I can't cope with this. I'm going to end up alone. I'm not capable of this. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm going to be let down by other people Again, I'm going to fail again. I can't change anything. That's my personal anti-favorite. I don't know if what the opposite of favorite is, but my, my anti-favorite is I can't change anything. You get faced with an opportunity. You find yourself in a situation, and your immediate thought is I can't actually change anything, a sense of powerlessness. 
Oh, man, I wish that ant, I just want to squash that sucker, you know, under my heel. Nuh-uh, you can. The King of Kings lives within you, and he can do mighty things through you. Amen? The thing with ants is that they all assume that they already know how this story ends. The thing with ants is that they all assume, I know how this ends, I I can't actually change anything, so I won't even try. I won't even step out of the boat at all. I won't even dare to hang, hey, Peter, what are you trying to, you want to step on water? You're a crazy cat. Let me do it with you. (laughs) You know, they won't even try and do that. They won't even say, hey, Peter, are you actually going to go for this? Ants will keep you literally just sitting in the boat silent. And my question this morning to you is I wonder how many plans and purposes of God have been missed out on because people let their ants speak louder than their God. How many plans, how many purposes of God have been missed out on because we're crippled by our ants, our automatic negative thoughts. And so the title of my message this morning is, I have ants in my thoughts. I have ants in my thoughts. We have to take inventory of our, of our thoughts. We have to take inventory. We have to actually, like you know, Joyce Meyer describes it as the battlefield of the mind. This, this is so pivotal for navigating life and for honoring the Lord with our entire world, with our entire life. It is so pivotal. We have to take inventory. Can I let you in on a little secret? You are the only person that will ever disqualify yourself from what God has called you to do. You, us, me, I am the only person I will ever disqualify myself. And I'm not talking about from just like perhaps an, an airy, fairy, you know, weird and wacky pipe dream from the Lord. No, I'm talking about one where the community of believers really go, yes, we can see that on your life. It is so clear that this is what you were called to do. You know, there's those significant confidants in your life. Go, this is what is on your world. This is what on the gift on your life. We can see it. The only person that will disqualify you is you. It's wild to think, even in God's economy, what we think about ourselves and our thought life literally is sometimes His biggest obstacle. It's His biggest obstacle. He's like, I reckon God's like, gets pretty mad with ants sometimes. You know, I reckon God's got an ant problem, you know, sometimes. And He's like, I'm tired. These ants are taking out my people. These ants are crippling my kingdom. I want it to advance. I want it to move. But ants keep crippling people left, right, and center, taking them out before they even dare to think they could step out of the boat. Proverbs 23 verse 7 tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is how powerful this is, right? So you get, you get given an opportunity or you, you feel something stir on, on, your, on, your, on your heart and on your life to do something, but your ants keep creeping up and saying, oh, you're not good enough. And so you begin to think that I'm not good enough. Well, guess what? As you think, so you will be. You won't even dare to step out and even give it a try to find out if you were actually good enough. As you think, so you will be. You might think you're not skilled enough, and so you won't even try. You may think, you know, I'm not extroverted enough. I'm not charismatic enough to be used by the Lord. Oh, man. I think that, that, has, that has crippled more people than we actually give it credit for. People thinking, I'm not extroverted, and I'm not charismatic enough. Do you know that, that like, introverts actually outnumber extroverts like seven to one? 
Like there's far more of you, we're just more louder. I, that wasn't even good English. We're just louder, right? We don't even know how to speak English. Introverts too, right? Right? There's so much more of you, we're just the loud ones. So you think that there's more of us. There's not. We're the minority, right? So introverts, band together, take over the world, you know? But honestly, how often has, has, has ministry been halted because you've literally thought, I'm not extrovert enough, I'm not charismatic enough, the Lord can't use me. And guess what? Because you think that, so are you. You don't even step out. You don't even dare to entertain that the Lord could use you because you came from a broken family or you're part of a broken family. I'm disqualified. No, you're not. No, you're not. But how many times has that thought taken people out? I come from a broken family. I'm the first Christian in my family. I don't, I don't have a Christian heritage to build upon. So I could never actually, you know, step out into that ministry or, that, or, or be used by the Lord at my work. I'm not actually going to become that person that, you know, when that opportunity to pray for someone arises or to share my testimony, I'm going to like, no, no, no. God couldn't use me because I'm from a broken family. What right do I have to actually share about the goodness of God and the kindness of God? What right do I have? Man, someone needs to crush that ant. God wants to use you. Just as you are, God wants to use you. Ants have crippled the kingdom of God for far too long, and I think it's time we got the 2 Corinthians 10 exterminator. Just sprayed all up at those ants, right? 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 to 5 says, The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. And this is what goes on in our minds between ants and the Word of God, right? Where there's an argument arises where our ants tries to inform our action. Our ants trying to deform our, inform our future. And then there's an argument that ensues, hopefully, between that and the Word of God. And this is what happens. It gets demolished. When we actually fight with 2 Corinthians 10, we actually demolish those arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, how we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So when that thought comes up, it goes, hey, I'm not good enough to do this. Hold on a second. I'm going to take that thought captive. Lord, what do you think of me? Well, he doesn't think that. He thinks you are good enough. He thinks you've got what it takes because he's on your side, right? So take that thought captive. Nah, I'm making you obedient to Christ. I'm a single mom. I'm a single dad. I'm disqualified. No, you're not. Take that thought captive. That is not what the Lord thinks of you. Make it obedient to him and to his word. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. I want to just kind of look at the um, great example of where ants nearly took out Moses. One of the greatest dialogues, I think, between God and man. It, I take a lot of solace in this because I have found myself wrestling with my ants many, many, many times. And, uh, but we see Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4, and we're going to work through that in the last couple of minutes. Moses has seen this bush that is burning that is not being burnt up. So obviously he's intrigued. He's like, what is going on over here? And so, you know, he goes over to check out this phenomena. And um, the Lord speaks to him and gives him this amazing calling. Amazing. You know, I've heard from heaven, my people in need. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to deliver them. 
out of Egypt, all this kind of stuff, and you are going to do that. And he says this in chap, uh, chapter 3, verse 10. Says, God says to Moses, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Here's the ant. I've got, I've got, I've got red on my ledger, Lord. I've done some stuff. At this stage in, in his life, Moses has kind of been in hiding and he's, he's already murdered somebody, right? So he's like, I- I'm actually not good enough. Here's the ant at work behind that statement. I'm not good enough. So he asks, who am I? Who am I that I should go, that you should send me? This is how the Lord replies. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Here's God's solution. He says, yeah, sure, you might have some stuff in your past, but I'm greater than your past. You might have some stuff that you messed up, but I'm greater than your failures, right? And in your your own strength, you sure you might not be good enough, but guess what? I am with you. I will go with you, and I am more than enough. Amen? So hear that this morning, perhaps, if you've been wrestling with that. Carries on in verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what will I tell them? The ant going on right now in this moment in Moses' mind is, I don't have all the answers. I don't, I, I, I don't know enough. I don't know the gospel to be able to share it with my work colleague. I don't know all the ins and outs. I don't have 16 degrees in theology like Pastor Ben, you know. I, I'm, I don't know it all, right? Maybe just 15, sorry. Sorry, I have a commentator there. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is the ant informing Moses behind going on here. He's like, I don't actually have all the answers. I'm, I'm not learned enough. I haven't done that year at Bible College and, you know, at Hope Academy. You can come, right? Um, I haven't done that yet, so I don't have all the answers to actually be able to do this, right? And God said to Moses, verse 14, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. If I was Moses, just sidebar, I wouldn't have taken like a lot of like, oh, wow, great, I am. It's like, dude, that's not even the name, amigo. Like get with the, it's like Mitchell, you know, or Mike. That's a name, you know, even Elijah. That's a good name. But I am, that's not a name, Lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like having that moment. But legitimately, how great is it that the God that is outside of this world has a name that doesn't make sense to us? If he had a name that made sense to me, I would be a little bit concerned, right? I actually love the fact that his name is beyond my comprehension. I love that. But here's, here's his solution to this. When, you think I, when you're going, I don't have all the answer, the Lord says, I am. Here's his, here's his solution. He's saying, whatever you think you need, I am. I am that. I am what you need. Whatever you think you lack, I am or your sufficiency. I am what you need. If you, if, you, if you go, I'm going to need a whole bunch of courage right now to speak to my work colleague or to pray for him. Guess what? I am your courage. I am your strength. You're like, I, I need wisdom, Lord. I don't know how to navigate this the thing that you've called me to do. Well, guess what? I am your wisdom is what he says to you. I am your insight to that situation at work. Like, I don't know how to navigate this thing. I don't know the answers. Well, guess what? I am. Your insight is with you. Amen? I am is his solution to that ant. And verse 15 carries on. God also said to Moses then, 
say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and he carries on all the way through, is with you. Jump over to chapter 4, reading from verse 1. Again, God has just really encouraged him, you know, for a couple of chapters. God like kind of, kind of has like these little pep talks in the middle with Moses. Like, come on, dude, get with the program. It's all right, mate. Here we go. Right? And then Moses in verse 4, chapter 1 says, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? What if they did not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? The ant here is, what if they think I'm crazy? <laughs> What if they think I'm crazy? What if they think I'm, um, you know, chatting to an imaginary person, imaginary friend, right? Maybe you hear voices in your head, right? What if they put a Facebook post up about me that's not really, really that kind, right? This is the ant going on behind, you know, or could have been behind Moses here. What if they don't believe me or listen to me and what I say and say that the Lord did not appear to you? Here's the Lord's reply. The Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it because he's a smart person. <laughs> All right? Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took a hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff. I wish that would happen every time. All right? This said the Lord is that they may believe that the Lord, your God of the Father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Can you imagine his shock in that moment? Oh, my word. He would have freaked out. Like, you know, he would have a little girl screamed, ha, ah! you know, when it came out. Like, oh, my goodness, what has happened to my hand? You know, I can imagine there was like a little interim where he ran around going, Lord, fix this, heal this, fix this, you know. And anyway, the Lord's like, put it back inside your cloak. <laughs> calm down, calm down, take a breath, put it back inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand back, and when it came out, it was restored. Ah, breathe easy, Moses. It's okay, buddy. Then the Lord said, if you do, they do not believe or pay attention to the first, they may believe the second. If they don't believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Here is what the Lord is saying when we think that, man, what if we're going to get left high and dry? What if we don't have what it takes? What if we maybe perhaps are going to step out on that water and it's just going to sink? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, whatever you have in your hand is enough. Whatever you have in your hand right now is enough. I will use that. The skills you have in your life right now are enough. I will use that. Stop putting off what I'm calling you to do year after year after year after year after your year because you're like, I just got to learn more. I just got to study more. I just got to overcome this in my life and overcome this in my life and overcome this in my life before I actually honor what the Lord has asked me to do in this space in my life. He's saying who you are right now is enough what I've called you to do right now. Who you are right now is enough, just as you are. What you have in your hand, what you have in your heart, what you have in your life is enough to accomplish what he's called you to do right now. I understand this preparation, but when the Lord says, hey, I want you to do this right now with your work colleague, guess what? All you know, all your learnedness, your everything, it's enough. Your testimony is enough right in that moment. So step out. Step out. It's enough. Verse 10 Moses said to the Lord, oh, he's so kind, pardon your servant. <laughs> Can you imagine saying pardon to God? <laughs> like, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, Lord. I, I hear what you're saying, but um, I've never been eloquent 
Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and of tongue. The ants here are, Lord, I have, the automatic negative thought is, Lord, I have genuine insecurities, right? And I actually have genuine obstacles, genuine obstacles to accomplishing what you are calling me to do, Lord. And so sometimes, like always, we can let, that's where it stops. We go, oh, this is too much for me to accomplish. I have genuine obstacles, whether they're financial obstacles, they're academic obstacles, they're physical obstacles, whatever it is. And that's it. You go, oh, well, that's it. That, I, these are obstacles. I can't, I can't do this, Lord. I've never been eloquent. I've never been good enough. And these are genuine things. These are the ants that can rise up and start speaking to you. Here's the solution. Verse 11, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. Here is the solution to that ant of I have genuine obstacles before me. Here's the solution, and you've got to catch this. The Lord says, you do your part and I will do mine. You do your part and I will do mine. He's saying the obedience is your responsibility. The results are his. And you got to catch this. Often we look at what God is calling us to, the results of what he has shown us in his kingdom, and we go, we can't achieve that. Well, guess what? He didn't ask you to. He just asked you to be obedient to the step today, to take that step today. That is what he's asked you to be responsible for doing. You do that and he will do the rest. And so if you have genuine obstacles that you're going, I have had this dream of my life to accomplish this for the Lord or to step out in this space in ministry or whatever, but there's genuine obstacles. You know what, Lord? I actually trust you. And I'm going to be obedient to what you've asked me to do. I know that's my part, and you will do yours. Amen? Reinhard Bonnke is one of the greatest evangelists of the last hundred years. Just amazing. He has seen millions come to the Lord across Africa. Raise your hand if you know Rhino Bonke. Quite a few of you. Awesome. If you don't, please Google his, his, Google his life. Look into it. Be inspired. Rhino Bonke had this vision. Um, the, the, the team can join me. Thanks, Dave. You, you are all over it, but the rest of the team can join me. Um, the, um, he shares in one of his biographies about the moment that he was called by the Lord. The Lord showed him this, this image of a blood-washed Africa, you know, in like literally in, in the blood of Jesus, just going, man, we're going to have, you know, heaven populated and hell plundered, you know, for the Lord was one of his sayings, you know, across Africa. And he would hold, hold open-air rallies where millions of people would gather and hundreds of thousands of people would then come to know the Lord in one night, in one night. And he did it in such an amazing way. His whole organization, they would see, you know, like local churches, you know, connected and to actually be able to disciple those salvations. It was incredible what he has done. And now it's passed on to his, his, um, his, his protege. But here's what he shared in the moment that he received that vision and he received that call. The Lord actually showed him that he was the third person that he'd asked. The Lord showed Reinhard, you're the third person I've asked to actually do this. The other two people said no. The other two people let their ants speak louder than their God. Let those automatic negative thoughts go, this is, this is monumental, Lord. 
to see an entire continent one for you? That's unprecedented. That's mammoth. Can't do it. Reinhard Bonnke. <laughs> Imagine being told you're, you're God's third choice. <laughs> what a guy, you know? <laughs> what a humble lad, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Thanks for the pep talk, Lord. <laughs> My third choice. But obviously the Lord knew how to speak to Reinhardt, you know, and knew that he would go, the obedience is my responsibility. The results are yours, Lord. And I'm not going to let my ants, I'm not going to let my negative thoughts dictate or determine whether or not I do or don't step into this. I'm going to trust in the Lord. And there's this amazing quote by this lady called Marianne or Marianne Williamson. A lot of you may know it. He gets quoted as <laughs> been, uh, Nelson Mandela a lot, but it's not. It was Marianne Williamson. Nelson Mandela said a lot of things, like leave the toilet seat down. He's, you know, he's all over it. He says, gets quoted for a lot of things. <laughs> That's an internet joke because they're just slapping quotes on people. Anyway, all right, anyway. <laughs> Marianne Williamson says this, our deepest fear, so actually beneath all of these ants, and if perhaps this is what God could actually speak to today. Beneath all of these ants, actually deeper than that, it says our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is actually that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that actually most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous, anointed? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. And then she says this, your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that others won't feel insecure around you. Come on, preach, girl. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, she says, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. You can change the world. God with you, leading you, guiding you, can change the world in monumental ways. Do you know that you exist in this moment in history for a reason? Because God wants what's on your life in this moment in history. When you catch that, there's a profound sense of grounding. I am here for a reason. I ain't here by mistake. God has brought me here for a reason. Instead of shrinking back, I'm actually going to go, you know what, Lord? There's something on my life that you spoke over me before you even knit me together. And I'm going to allow you to call it out in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet across this place? I want to pray for you this evening, or this morning and this evening. But right now, if you're here and if you've ever had a stirring on your heart for something that you believe the Lord has called you to, or even just something, opportunities at work that you feel, you know what, Lord, I may not have stepped into them in the past, but God, I want boldness. I want courage moving forward to make the most of those. 
pretty much if you just want to say, Lord, I want to shine as bright as I possibly can for you. I want to lay it all down for you. Would you just raise your hands up before the Lord right now? Father God, you see every life, Father God. You see the kingdom potential in this room, mighty God. And it excites you, Lord Jesus. It stirs you, Father God, because you see generations transformed by people in this room, Father God. You see cities and nations changed forever because of people in this room, Father God. So Lord, right now I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and rest upon every single one of us in this room right now, mighty God? Would you pour out your courage? Would you pour out a fresh anointing, Father God? Would you pour out your wisdom, Father God? Would you pour out your insight, Lord Jesus? I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, there would be a renewal of surrender in this room, Father God. We say we lay it down, God. I lay myself down afresh, mighty God, to be used for your glory. I pray, Lord, right now for anyone who's so acquainted with their ants. Holy Spirit, right now, would you just begin to shine your glorious light in their minds? Would they begin to feel your free thinking? The ability to take those thoughts captive. Even right now, I feel like there's, you, 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 there's old dreams in this room that have been dormant that have been in hibernation. And the Lord is wanting to awaken them this morning. And even online, you might be at home and you've had something on your heart and you've, you've pushed it down, you suppressed it. You said, no, no, I'm never gonna be able to walk into that. The Lord is saying to you in your living room and here in this room right now that He wants to awaken, oh sleeper. Awaken that sleeper so that His light may shine upon you and shine through you for His glory. Father God, we thank You we thank you, Lord. This is not ultimately even about us. Huh. This is about you, God. And our ants, our ants got nothing on you, God. Those negative thoughts, they don't even touch you, Jesus. Because you are wonderful, you are glorious, you are magnificent, you are all powerful, you are all sufficient, God. In every moment, in every room, wherever we find ourselves, God, you are all and you are more than enough, Father God. So Lord, we look to you afresh right now, God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for releasing and rebirthing dreams in this room, mighty God. Right now and through the internet, right now online, God. All for your glory. And everybody said... Amen. Come on, can we celebrate Him with victory this morning? He is wonderful. He is mighty. God, we love You. We love You, God. Before I hand back to Mez this morning, I want to make an opportunity for anybody here today who's never invited Jesus in as their Lord and as their Savior. I can tell you this is the greatest decision you will make with your life. It will change everything. You'll understand in a moment who you are. Because you'll find out whose you actually are, whose you were always intended to be. It's a coming home. It's a returning to the Father. So if you're here this morning and something's just stirring in your heart and you're going, you've been talking about this God that can take us from place A into place B. And I want to I get on that. I want to know who this God is. I want to meet Him for myself today. I want to make Him my Lord and my Savior. Where you're, where you're standing right now, would you shoot your hand up so I can see? 
So I want to pray with you. And we've got a discipleship team that would love to catch up with you afterwards. So they're just going to be keeping an eye out. Is there anybody here? Just shoot that hand up. Fantastic. I just see that hand right at the back. Thank you. Is there anybody else here this morning saying, that's me today? Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. The Lord is going to bless you. Fantastic. I see that hand all the way over on my left. Amazing. Amazing. I'm going to pray for those three people right now that the Lord will encounter you in such a powerful way where you stand that it will mark the rest of your life. Church, would you join me in praying for these three people? Father God, we thank you right now. Lord, that death is coming to life, Father God, that the old is being made new in your mighty name and for your glory, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit, right now that they will encounter you and your love in such a wonderful, magnificent way right now where they are standing, that they will know that they have had an encounter with the living God this morning, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You will guide them from this moment onwards, God. You will speak to them about who they are in your kingdom. We pray a covering and a blessing over them in your mighty name. We all said, amen, amen. Can we celebrate those three people? Amazing. Thank you, church.